just want to just share some thoughts. And the title of my message is Storms, Battles and Other Troubles. Doesn't that sound exciting? Aren't you excited this morning about this morning's message? How many of you have ever been through a storm? I'm talking not just a, a literal physical storm, but how many of you have been through some storms in life? Put your hand up. How many of you have been through some battles? Put your hand up. And how many of you have been just through just trouble in, you know, in general? I think we all have and we can all relate to this message. Do you know, over the last couple of months, I think there have been messages that have been preached you know, from this platform about about, you know, the, the, the challenges of faith and the different times we do go through storms and different battles. James chapter 1 draws our attention that we will go through trials and we will go through challenges in our life. Actually, the Bible says in James, there'll be various kinds of trials and we know that they are about our faith. But it's not easy when you're going through a battle, you know, and some battles are spiritual battles, some battles are emotional battles, some battles are relational battles, some battles are physical battles where you, you know, you've been diagnosed with a sickness and all of a sudden your world turns upside down. And then there's trouble. You know, sometimes what happens is just life brings trouble. Sometimes just living, you know, just getting out the front door just causes trouble. You know, you could be on the road just minding your own business and all of a sudden you're involved in a car accident. I remember about five months ago, you know, I was involved in a car accident. Somebody tailgated me and hit me from the back. It was a three-car pile-up. And, you know, I just thought, I don't need this. Particularly at this time, I just don't need this. And just trouble sometimes just seems to come. Crisis seems to come, bills seems to come, things seems to break down and it just seems to be life. And then there's storms. Storms seems sometimes to come and, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, caught in a storm. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, just a little bit of rain or hail. Um, I got caught in a storm in Vanuatu this April and it really freaked me out. I mean, you know, it was a cyclone. How many of you feel sorry for me? I was caught up in a cyclone. And here I am, and, you know, I, I, I went to Vanuatu on a missions venture, and everybody told me, go go to Vanuatu. You know, the choice to go to India. I thought, I'm not going to go to India. You know, go to South Africa, or, you know, you can go to Malaysia. And I said, no, no, I'll, I'll choose Vanuatu, thinking it was the safest place to go, the shortest place to go. And then all of a sudden, I found myself, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning on this Saturday, well, actually, it was a Sunday morning, when all of a sudden this, this cyclone began it was a grade two thank god it wasn't any greater than that and somebody burst into my motel room and they literally said we've got to pull all the shutters down because the windows could blow all of a sudden I realized I wasn't just in a storm but I was in something bigger than that and I've got to be honest with you we were trying to pull those shutters down I could see outside that the trees were bending the pool I could see the pool the the water was coming out the pool and I realized this is not just a little storm it's in a cyclone and sometimes cyclones happen to us in our life. But the Bible teaches that when we go through these things, that when we go through you know, trouble and when we go through storms and when we go through different battles in life, there's actually a spiritual position that we should hold as Christians. There actually is a battle position that we should hold. And I want to look at these four today, these four battle positions or these four spiritual positions and hopefully give us a little bit of insight. Some have been touched on and some of you are very aware of these, but I just feel that some of you have been going through some storms and battles in your life over the last period of time. But I, I really do want to just focus on the last actual 
um, position. So let's have a look. Just go to your screen. I think it's going to come up on your screen. The first one is the Bible says that when we go through trials and, you know, all sorts of battles, that sometimes we don't need to take a stand. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, verse 14, the writer talks about putting on the full armour of God. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this, but it talks about putting on the full armour of God and then to stand. Now, it's interesting because it says three times, stand, take a stand. And, um, you know, having done all, stand. You know, and I think the Bible, you know, points us to the fact that not only do we just have to take a stand once, but it's like an attitude where you have to say, you know what, I ain't moving no matter what because the enemy has a way of continually attacking you. If you study Matthew chapter 4, which is when Jesus was actually being tempted, he got tempted three times. The enemy will keep at you because his goal is to wear you out, to push you back. But the moment that you take a stand and you say, I am not moving, he'll hit you from the left, the right, the front. He'll try everything he can to wear you out. But the moment you take a stand, he will back off and you will have victory in your life. The second stance that we take is what I call a prayer strategy. You know, at times, you know, we find ourselves where we get blindsided by certain situations. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, there's a story of David. Now, David was fighting on a servant, certain front. He had gone to the Philistines and he'd taken all his men and they were, they were focusing on one front. And the enemy, another enemy called the Amalekites, came. And while he was on one front defending one side, the enemy came came from behind, the Amalekites came and they came to his village where he was with all his, um, where he was with his men, where they were in, uh, sorry, where their home was. And he, the, the enemy came and took all the wives and all the children. When the men came back, they were absolutely distraught, so much that they actually wanted to kill him. They were so dismayed. Could you imagine, you know, the situation? Here you are fighting on one front and the enemy blindsides you. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. you know, sometimes we're doing the work of God and our focus is in a certain area and the enemy comes from behind and tries to blindside you. And what I love about this is David did not turn to the opinions of men. He didn't turn and go, hey, you know, what should I do? The Bible says he inquired of God. You know, sometimes when you're in a storm, when you're in a battle, do you know what? We can go and get opinions and we can get counselling on all sorts of things. But there comes a time where, you know what, the best place to go is inquire of the Lord and say, God, what should I do in this situation? It is part of our battle stance or our, our um, you know, positional stance to know what God's plan is for that particular situation. You know, God knows everything. How many of you know that? The devil has a plan, but God has a master plan. And he knows the details of what is going to go. Get strategy from him. Many times when I've found myself in difficult situations, you know, where, where I can't take a stand, but I've needed to go to God and say, God, I can't work this out. It doesn't make sense. I can't see the full picture. But when I go to him, he gives me strategy for the situation. And you know, David, when he went to the Lord, the Lord said, go and pursue them. And you know what happened? He got all the wives back and all the, nobody was harmed because God gave him a strategy for that victory. Here's the third stance. The third stance is sometimes you've just got to be still. You've just got to be still. 
Sometimes you find yourself in powerless situations. The storms are so raging. Situations are totally out of your control. I don't know if you've, I think I've experienced all of these. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you feel absolutely powerless, where you feel what's happening around you, you have no control of. But there is a place of great security and that is in Jesus Christ. And sometimes, you know what? You just need to stand still and let God be God and God do the fighting for you. Do you know in Exodus chapter 14 verse 14, do you know the situation is that, you know, the Israelites, they've just come out of Egypt. The Red Sea is in front of them. All of a sudden, Pharaoh gets stirred up. He says, I'm not going to let them go. They're not going to get away from me. And he begins to pursue them. And all of a sudden, the Israelites are trapped. Have you ever felt trapped? Put your hand up if you've ever felt trapped. A situation that you have no control over whatsoever. And this is what Moses says to the children of Israel, be still for the Lord will do the fighting for you. Do you know, I want to tell you there's been times in my life where I have felt like, man, do you know, my back is to the wall. I'm out of control. You know, things are out of control. There seems to be no way forward. There seems to be no way to retreat. There just seems to be no safety. It's then that you really know who God is. The Bible says in Psalms, it says, Be still and know that I am God. It's a position where you find you know, trust and faith in God. The fourth stance is this one here. is where you hold on. You know, there are times, and I want to focus on this one today, on holding on. What do you hold on to? You hold on to God's promises and his word. You hold on to God's promises and his word. You know, when you hold on to God's word, you know what? He holds you all together. When you hold on to the word of God, he holds you together. There's a scripture that I want to share with you this morning that has most probably been such an encouragement to my own life, not just to my personal world, but to my leadership world. This scripture has been a foundational scripture that has helped me in times, in some very, very difficult times. Sometimes in my personal world, where I've had to walk through some very, very difficult things, but sometimes also in my leadership world, where I've had to make decisions, not just on my behalf, but on behalf of the different churches that we pastor. And this scripture is in 1 Timothy 1.18, and I want to today talk about this particular scripture because of its strength and the power of the scripture. This scripture was written to Timothy by Paul. Timothy was was actually Paul's spiritual son. And this is how he pens it. This is what he writes in 1 Timothy 1.18. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight, the fight of faith, holding on, listen to this, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Let me just read this to you again. Timothy, so this is now Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking to his spiritual son. Now his spiritual son, you need to understand, he was a young man. He was, he was overseeing a church in Ephesus. He is battling with fear. That's why, that's why Paul writes to him in 1 Timothy 1.7. He says to him, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Why did Paul write that? So Timothy could hold on to that passage of Scripture. He was also struggling because he was young. He was a young man overseeing this church that was growing, and many were looking down upon his youth. And in 1 Timothy 4, 
4.12, he writes, don't let anybody despise your youth. So Paul is actually writing to him to give him, you know, words of faith so he could hold on to. You know, he also struggled with self-doubt. And because of his self-doubt, this is the scripture that actually Paul writes to him. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, the fight of faith, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. In the other versions, it says that you may do warfare with the prophecies once made uh, over your life. Now, when I was about 20 years younger, maybe actually, maybe younger than that, my wife and I, we took our kids to the Gold Coast and we went to all the, you know, the, the movie world, the dream world. We went to uh, Wet n Wild, went to all the theme parks for our kids. We've got three children. And our kids, we, we ended up going to um, Wet n Wild. I think that's what it's called. Is it still called Wet n Wild? And so we went there and um, the kids wanted to go on the wave pool. Now, I didn't know what the wave pool was, and uh, two of my kids wanted to go in it. My other one, Michael, was, you know, he was still quite young, and um, so we didn't let him go into it. And it was quite deep in some areas. One of my, my kids, David, was on one of the, um, he was on this, you know, this tube that we bought for $5, and he was having great fun. My daughter eventually got out, and just as I'm watching Dave and just enjoying things, I'm in the deep end, I'm, I'm treading water, all of a sudden I, I saw the water began to move. And, you know, I'd never been, I thought, is something happening? Is there an earthquake or something? Because the water starts to lap. And as I turned around, uh, you know, my mouth was open and some water went in my mouth and I started to choke. Now, I don't know if you've ever been trying to tread water and you've swallowed some water. You know, I just lost my equilibrium. I started to, to, to sink and down I go. And all of a sudden, the waves just got bigger. I, I, I sort of worked out later why it was called the wave pool, you know, because the waves were just getting me. I thought to myself, I'm going to drown. I started panicking because my lungs were started to, you know, we, we weren't getting enough air. And I'm going down for the count. At the left side of my, as I'm coming up, I could see that one of the lifeguards was actually coming over the edge and looking at me. Now, here's the, the thing: is this is going to, this is not a sexist comment, so please hear what I'm saying. It was a, it was a lady. It was a lady lifeguard, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to let a lady dive in and save me. Oh, this is going to be so embarrassing. I was already embarrassing. I felt like, you know, this is terrible. How can I drown in this, you know, this wave pool? And I am struggling. I am absolutely And I kept coming up, and now she starts yelling out, do you need some help? Do I need to come in? I'm there, and I'm trying to wave, but I'm going down. And deep down, I was going, I need help. Yes, dive in. Forget your pride when you're dying, you know. But here I was, I was literally going down for the count. And then this amazing thing happened just as I'm about to go, please come and save me, please. All of a sudden this tube, this, this tube that, you know, we we'd bought for five bucks, it just comes my way and I grab it and I hold on to it. Let me tell you, I felt like this tube was worth millions of dollars <laughs> I would have paid millions of it because it actually held me. 
I had something to hold on to. And it gave me safety and security. And then I just waved to the lifeguard, yeah, all good, all great, all great. My son, after he was looking at all this, when we got out, he goes, Dad, were you mucking around or is this for real? And I was trying to be a hero, no? And that's it's all, all under control, son. But I was dying, you know, I think. Sometimes it might sound that funny, but you know what? When you're going under, you, you just need something to hold on to. You need something to hold on to. Sometimes the storms of life and sometimes we do need to take a stand. Sometimes we need to have, you know, prophetic uh, prayer that gives a strategy to overcome. Sometimes we need to be still. But, you know, sometimes we just need to hold on to God's word and God's promises. And, you know, God has given the body, the children of God, our, our church family, and has given, you know, the body of Christ, he's given gifts to give us prophetic words and to give us words that will hold us during tough times. And that's why, you know, in the Bible we see gifts like prophets in Ephesians 4.11. The Bible says there's apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And, and prophets have this incredible gift upon their life not only to speak into, you know, the life of churches, but also many times to God uses them to, to, to pinpoint certain people and begin to give prophetic utterances. You know, God breathed words over your life that can hold you during some tough times. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, that all of us as believers, that we can access the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of them is the gift of prophecy, different to the office of a prophet but you know sometimes God uses the body itself people in our congregations leaders that can actually encourage you how many of you know an encouraging word can absolutely turn your situation around and sometimes people come and God gives them a, a prophetic word for your life that can hold you during some of those storms sometimes the word of God becomes revelation what we call the rhema word of God you know the, there's what we call the logos word of God the written word of God you know the the um, Greek meaning for that means the 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 actual divine logic this is divine logic many people don't understand this is this is not a complicated book it is you know, a simple book in a sense, but it is divine logic from God. And sometimes as we read that, all of a sudden God uses it to highlight, to give us revelation. We get a rhema word, a revelation word that becomes a word that holds us during some very, very difficult times. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever received a prophetic word? Put your hand up. Who's, been, who's had a prophetic word? Put your hand up just a little bit higher. Who's been prophesied over by a prophet, a recognized prophet? Put your hand up. Who's been prophesied by someone who's just got a prophetic gift? Put your hand up. Who's ever received, you know, while reading the Bible and you're maybe seeking for, for advice and seeking for counsel and seeking for direction and seeking for comfort that you've written, you've read this word and God's highlighted scriptures in it and it's become a prophetic word to your situation. Put your hand up. Isn't that fantastic? So today I want to encourage you to remind yourself like Timothy was reminded by Paul. Paul, remind yourself of those prophetic utterances over your life. Let me tell you, God does not give them to you just to make you feel good about yourself. God doesn't give them to you just so that you can be highlighted in front of a congregation. God doesn't give them to you just so you can see, well, you know what? You know, God's thinking of you. God gives them to you to anchor you to him and to your purpose in him. And it's so important because many of us, 
when we're going through storms, when we're going through different situations, we look to so many other sources, we go to so many other people for their opinions or their philosophies. But I want to tell you, there's nothing like being anchored to the Word of God and to holding on to God's Word. Do you know, in my life, there have been, I've, I've had prophecies over my life from, from prophets, recognized prophets in our nation. I remember when I was 20 years old, this, this ministry called Barry Chart. Uh, have you, who's heard of Barry Chart? Who remembers Barry Chart? He, I think he began the, the Tabor Colleges, if I'm right. And a great teaching gift. And when I was in Bible college, you know, there was 22 of us in the class. I'll never forget when he actually came um, into our class. He began to teach a little bit about prophecy. My heart was really ignited because he began to talk to us about the power of prophecy. And then after he taught for about half an hour, he prophesied over every single student, 22 of us. But it was unique in what he did. He just didn't, you know... um, tell us what he felt God was saying to him, he actually gave every student a scripture. I've still got mine. The amazing thing about the scripture that he gave me, it has been like a lifetime anchor for me. And this particular scripture that he gave me had to do with my makeup, my emotional makeup. It was like God had written this passage of scripture just for me and my emotional makeup and my personality because my personality you know I mean I've said this many many times my personality does not fit my call and it's like he knew it's like God spoke through him and he foresaw something in my life and he used this passage of scripture that still today I, I, I look to on many occasions. I remember in 2010, um, I, was, um, I was asked to speak at the National AOG Conference in the UK. Over a thousand leaders were there. And I'll never forget that particular night as I'm preparing to, to uh, my message Man, I, I was freaking out, you know. I, I was having this discussion with God. I was saying, God, you know, you've got the wrong person. God, why have you got me doing this? God, this is not what I'm called to do. And I battled. I mean, that night I didn't sleep. I think I went to the bathroom about 10 times. Do you know, I woke up in the morning. I went over my notes. I kept going over my notes and over my notes. My mind was being bombarded with this negativity. My emotional, my emotions were all over the shop. And as I'm, you know, battling and battling, all of a sudden I remember Barry Chart's word I remember the scripture and I went to the scripture and you know what something happened in me something literally transpired in me something was transferred with the spirit of God through his word all of a sudden you know the moment I got up it was like I was a different person because I held on to the promises and the word of God you know I remember just uh, you know five or six years ago preaching in Wales and in Wales they got some great preachers and there's a pastor called Alan Hewitt He's an amazing, amazing preacher. He's, he's what they call the prince of preachers. And he asked me to go and speak in his church. Now, you've got, you got to know something, you know, that when you go and preach on these guys' platforms, you know, they, they sort of scrutinize how you preach. You know, he's a, he's a theologian. And I'm just shaking. I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing here? Well, God, why have you got me here? This does just not fit. It's not who I am. And I'm sitting there. And again, I'm just reminded of God's word. And I, I, I began to hold on to it. Anyway, I preached this message message and and you know he's sitting there Alan's sitting at the front and he's not giving he doesn't give anything away he's just looking at you there's no amening 
There's no like preacher brother. That's really good. I, I came off the platform. I sat down and he didn't say anything. We had lunch together. He didn't say boo to me. And I was just like, he must have thought that was terrible. I went away with this shocking, I thought that was absolutely shocking. Anyway, four months later, I'm now living in England. Four months later, he comes and preaches in our church. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get him back. You know, every time he preaches, I'm going to resonate and boo to him. You know what I mean? I'm going to let him see what it's like, you know. Anyway, during the worship, he nudges me and he goes, you know that message you preached on, it's time to open up the storehouse? I said, yep, great message. That was a great message. He says, I've preached it all over England. I'm preaching it all. I'm going to make it mine. I'm going, you dirty rat. <laughs> thought you, you could have given me something. But, you know, I think he understands, hey, don't put your faith in what men think about you. Put your faith in God. Let the word of God anchor you. Let the word of God hold you. Friends, let me tell you, people's opinions will change about you. They'll change about you. They will. Friends' opinions will change. And if you, if you put all your resources and if you put what holds you on, on people's opinions and people's thoughts, let me tell you this now, that, that, they'll change. Jesus had that. We have that in our own life. But I want to just say to you that, that we need to be grounded in the Word of God. The great thing is that Pastor Greg could be preaching in that church next year. So Greg, let me tell you, he won't give you a thing. He won't, he won't even glinch at you, but you'll do a great job. That's why I'm sending you and not me. And then I remember a man called David McCracken. How many of you have heard of David McCracken? When I was 28 years old, David McCracken, you know, I was a youth pastor. David McCracken pulls me out of the crowd. Literally, my wife and I says, you two come out. He called me a young rascal. I still remember it. Where's that young rascal? Bring him out. Come down. I'm thinking, why is he calling me that? He put, now, to be honest with you, I, I can't totally remember what he was saying, but it was so impacting. The words of prophecy were so impacting. At the time, I could, you know, the words were going in me, but I, I, my, my mind could not comprehend what was going on. Sometimes when, when the word of God comes, it's so powerful, my emotions were being stirred. You know, I, I even remember becoming really quite, you know, very emotional. But the word of God was being spoken into my heart and my spirit, but my mind could not comprehend what he was actually saying because it was about my future. The great thing is that it was on tape. That's how old it was. That's how old I am. It was on tape. It wasn't on CD or USB. It was on tape. I've still got the tape. Do you know, I listened to that about twice a year. Now that I, now that I listen to it and I... It has become the unfolding journey of my life. It talked about my future and it holds me during difficult times. It holds me sometimes when I have to make leadership decisions and I go, God, what is this part of your plan? That prophecy is, is like timeless. And it talks about, it basically said that this is what you will do. He says, you will go into places, into places that are broken, places that are barren, God will use you to restore them, to raise them up and to release them. And just when you've got everything settled and you can sit back and enjoy it, God will stir your heart again and you'll go do it again and again and again and again. Now that I've lived, you know, another 30 years on top of that, I can see how powerful that prophecy is. That's what I do. That's what I do. And he talked about change. And, you know, many of us don't like change. Many of us, we struggle with changes. 
But, you know, this prophecy talks about that, you know what? That specific time that God will tell you, he would make you understand the seasons of your... That's why I think I embrace change. I think one of the reasons... None of us really like change. But one of the reasons that I embrace change is because of this incredible prophetic word that was spoken right into the spirit of my life that as I look back at it today, it literally was like he had foresight to see what God was doing in my life. And there's been seasons and there's been times where, you know, there's been storms and all sorts of battles. But this word, just like Barry Chancewood, has grounded me and made me hold on to the promises of God. Vicki Simpson's another one at the age of 32 Vicki Simpson you know came and prophesied you know well she pulled me out she prophesied now I had her prophecy written out it's a two-page prophecy I didn't know you could prophesy that long or that God had that much to say <laughs> do you know what I mean God's got a lot to say about you he's got a lot to say about your life He's got a lot to say about your family, about your children. God cares about us. God loves us. God wants us. He wants to hold us. He uses his word to hold us during those difficult times. But Vicki Simpson's word was so powerful. Uh, you know, even, even today, it's, it's, it's a strategic word. It, 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 when I look at it today and I read it today, it, I, I can see the handprint of God and how he has led me step by step, little by little. He talks about the processes of God in my life. I can not believe the accuracy of these prophecies because how many of you know God's word is true and it's amen it's true it's a living word it just holds me together it's a strategic word so prophets can speak into your life God has given us prophetic ministries uh, to speak into our life and into our situation and friends today can I say this some of you need to remind yourself of the prophecies and the declarations that God has made over your own life some of you, you know, we look to so many things, but today I want to encourage you to stir your heart to relook at those prophecies and those words that have been spoken over your life. And then there's God's word. You know, God's word is a, this is a prophetic book. It's a spiritual book. I believe it's not a complicated book, but it's a powerful book. And if you have ever got revelation from the Word of God, where the Logos Word has turned into a Rhema Word, and God has spoken to you, and God has held you, and giving you comfort and giving you strength, then you will know how powerful this Word is. Now, do you know, some of you might not know this, but when we came here in 2012, uh, there was actually uh, two congregations uh, in our church. They, they weren't big congregations, and, and for some reason, you know, uh, they, they were functioning separately. And in talking to the national leadership when I was um, looking at coming here, you know, one of the thoughts they had was, and one of the things that I said was to try and bring these two congregations together. But how many of you know sometimes that's not an easy journey? Sometimes bringing two different groups together and, you know, they were going in, you know, different directions. And some of it was circumstantial, and that's fine. And, you know, I, I just said, God, I, I don't know how to do this. God, how am I going to do this? But I thank God for God's word. That's why, can I just say to you, it's really important that you have daily devotions. 
Sometimes you will read the word of God and it'll just be like you're reading a story. But I want to tell you this, that if you are faithful to the word of God, God's word will be faithful to you. If you apply yourself to the word of God on a daily basis, and some of you have different ways of doing that and different ways of doing your devotions, let me tell you, as you study the word of God and as you meditate on the word of God, revelation will come because you know what? It's not a matter of just opening up the book and going, now let me see what God's going to say today. You need to be consistent in your relationship just like any other fruitful relationship you need to actually be consistent with it and it was it was funny because one of these days as I was planning to come over it was before I actually came over here and I was still in discussion with the leadership, the national leadership of, of bringing these two congregations together. I was studying the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. And I, was, and I was studying about the valley of dry bones. You know, one of the first messages that I preached when I came was about the valley of dry bones. How God wanted to breathe again and bring life. And as I'm reading it, all of a sudden I come across this passage. As I'm, as I'm going through the, the passage and, and reading it systematically. And as I read this passage, it was like... God had written it for me. Did you know that the promises of God are for you and for me? And you know, sometimes when you read them, let me tell you, they come alive. If you get a revelation of it, it'll change your life. You'll have something to hold on to. And this, let me read this to you. Let, let me show you how articulate this passage of Scripture is. In Ezekiel 37, 15, this is what it says. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites, associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it Ephraim's stick belonging to Joseph and all the house of Israel associated with it. Now listen to the next text. Join them together into one stick so that they can become one in my hand. Let me tell you, when I read that, I thought to myself, you have got to be joking. Did God know of my situation? Let me tell you, God is very aware of your situation. He wants to give you words that will hold you, that will anchor you, that will encourage you, that will strengthen you, that no matter what the winds of life are doing, doesn't matter how dark the storm clouds are, doesn't matter what the circumstances are saying to you, he wants to speak into your life, he wants to speak words of life that will anchor you for your future. Can you give God a hand of praise for that today? We need those words. And let me tell you, you know, maybe that's why some people thought, I was overconfident or maybe they thought maybe I was verging on, I don't think I was verging on arrogance, but when you get a word like this, I, I sort of just knew that God was for me. I just knew that God had a plan, that this was his defined plan and divine plan and, and I had confidence to be able to go, this is what God wants to do. Many people were talking me out of it. Some of my friends who are leaders all over said, look, it's crazy trying to bring two groups of people together. But when God speaks, it anchors you and it holds you and you're able to move forward. Do you know, all, um, most of my leadership, even though we use principles and we use patterns, let me tell you, I do you know, sincerely pray and say, God, what is your will? Give me a word that I can hold on to. Do you know, some of our senior staff and some of our, you know, uh, very significant staff and most of our staff have come through a prophetic situation. We haven't just put up an advert and gone, let's see, we need, you know, 
We actually need this person, we need that person. You know, Pastor Greg and Sue, did you know God has brought them here? How many of you know that? God has brought them here at an incredible strategic time. And prophetically, I remember praying and saying, God, we, we need this sort of ministry. And it's like, it's like God lines up when his timing is right. He lines up. You know, it's like the dominoes are all lined up for an incredible, you know, just, just impact. You know, when Charles, I did not pick Charles because of his good looks. Now, he thinks that's why he got picked, but he didn't. God spoke to me while I was sitting in church, preaching in his church while he was still on a youth team. I remember specifically the Holy Spirit speaking to me about Charles. God spoke to me about, you know, Steve and Jenny Maisie, who who now pastor our, our Victory Campus. And even, you know, when Cliff and Marie came to us, it was not just, you know, an accident. It was not, well, let's just put this person in. God has got a plan. And when we get on his agenda, when we allow him to speak to us, we can prophetically be led and we can hold on to those prophetic words which change our situations. You know, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for God's promises are yes and amen. And I want to remind you of those promises today. You know, just in closing, and if I can just have Dan come up, you know, I, I really felt today that some of you might be struggling um, in your marriage. You know, some of you might be struggling in your marriage. And I, I said, God, you know, why are you impressing this upon my heart at this time, just as I'm praying? And I really felt that, that you know, it was like God wanted me to remind you that, you know, when we have our marriage vows, did you know they're a prophetic declaration to your partner? Did you know that they're a prophetic declaration? They're not just something that's pulled out of the air. But actually, when you stand at an altar in front of God, because marriage was ordained by God, and when you enter into that relationship with another person, person and you exchange vows did you know that you are prophesying into your spouse you know what you're saying to them you're actually saying to them you know and this is why we use these marriage vows for better for worse in richer or poorer in sickness and in health I will stand with you not just by you but I will stand with you it is a covenant promise and today you might be struggling in your marriage maybe something is attacking your marriage maybe there's there's circumstances and pressure that comes and I really felt the Holy Spirit that some of you need to make a declaration of your marriage vows again. And you need to say that, you know what, I stood before God. I stood before God and I made this vow that I would stick with you no matter what. Do you know, we've been through some challenges. I've been married actually um, in January the 8th. We'll have been married 35 years. Isn't that fantastic? 35 years. And I could tell you some stories. There's been ups and there's been some downs. There's been some challenges. I remember when we first got married, um, you know, I was a youth pastor. They'd get me into the office and they said to me, hey, you know, Nick, we, we, we know you've just got married, but we, we can't afford to give you a raise. Now, you don't want to hear that just after you're married. You know, they were telling me, yeah, we're going to give you a raise and they just couldn't give me a raise. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, we're going to cut your time down to three days a week, still pay you the same amount of money, but you'll have to go and get a part-time job for two days. And, and I remember, you know, coming out of that meeting and, and feeling quite, oh man, how do you do that? But you see, some people, some of my friends said, you know, started wanting me to blame the church and they were just trying to be, they were trying to do the best they could. It was difficult. But see, if you get caught up in the wind and the storm, you don't keep your eyes focused on God and the, prophet, the, the prophetic words of God over your life, you're going to come unstuck. 
And I could have come unstuck. That moment could have been a moment that could have made me get so hard and bitter and twisted. And I knew that the heart of the church was was right. It was just struggling financially. And you know, God, God was on it. God was on it. I got this phone call a couple of weeks later. This man rang me and said, hey, I was in the youth office. He said, hey, we need to find, I need to find someone uh, that can come and help me just dig some holes on the beach. And have you got anybody? Have you got anybody in your youth teams? And I said, well, actually, um, can two of us do it? Like I said, I've got a friend of mine who's in Bible college. He needs three days a week. I need two days. Can we come? He said, well, look, it's not my ultimate, but I'll take it. And then I was, God provided a job for me because I kept my eyes on Him. That prophetic word about the call of God on my life held me. That God was going to be my provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that I look to. And I, you know, and I remember the first going to that beach, the first hole I dug, it nearly killed me. You know, the shovel was like this. He said, you have to, you know, dig a hole as deep as the shovel. And I dug the first hole. I stood back. I stepped on the sand that I, you know, that had piled up and it had caved into the hole. And he just looked at me and thought, loser, you know, got the wrong guy. And and I got through that. But, you know, God provides. God has always been there. He's always helped me. Friends, let me tell you this now, that if you are going through a difficult situation, whether it's now or one that might come up, go back to the Word of God. Go back to the promises of God. Go back to those prophetic words. Hold on to those because those are the promises of God. We need to remind ourselves about God's promises. Have you ever wondered why we take communion? And it says this, remember, remember, When we take communion, let me tell you, that is a prophetic declaration of the faithfulness of God, of His love, of His forgiveness and His grace. We remember it is a time of a prophetic declaration that if we hold on to that truth, doesn't matter, you know, if we've fallen or if we've failed, God's promises are yes and amen. Come on, why don't you just stand to your feet just for a moment. And today, I just really felt that the Holy Spirit wanted to remind us about His truth, about His Word, about His prophetic promises. I wonder if you could just close your eyes for a moment. Maybe today you are here and, um, you know, you're just visiting. You don't know Jesus Christ. And my question to you is, who holds you? Who holds you? Who's holding your life? And today, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. His Word says that He will never leave you or forsake you. And if you today would say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm literally, I'm not holding on to anything. I need someone that will hold me. If that's you today and when you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, would you quickly in this moment just lift up your hand? Let me tell you, God is faithful. He loves you and He will hold you whatever situation you're going through. If that's you, just quickly put your hand up so that I can pray for you. Thank you, sir. That's fantastic. Is there anybody else here? Very, very quickly. I just want to pray. We're going to pray this prayer right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, God, that your word holds us. It holds us true. It holds us firm. It anchors us for not just the now, but for our future. Today, Lord, we give ourselves to you and we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. If today, and I'd love that person to come
come up and say hi to me after. I'd love to shake your hand and say hi to you. But today, if you need, if you've been reminded about those prophetic words, just with your eyes closed and just saying, you know what, God, I've been, I've been blown by the, 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 the storms of life, the winds. I've been blown by all sorts of things this way and that. But today I'm refocusing. I'm reminded of those prophetic truths in my life. If that's you and you want to just remind and say to yourself, hey, I'm reminding myself of that today. Would you lift up your hand very quickly and say, Holy Spirit, today I look to you. You are the author. You're the perfecter of my life. I know that you have a purpose and a plan for my life. Father, today as we come, we remind ourselves of the goodness of God. Today we hold on to the truths that have been declared through your word, through prophetic gifts. We thank you that, Lord, your truths, Father, that your word, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen. Today we anchor ourselves afresh in those words, in Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. Pastor Greg, did you want to come?